heard this morning that they've evacuated all of es Estes Park now. Oh. Everyone. Mm. So there you go. Mm -hmm. If it isn't one thing, it's another. If it isn't pandemic, it's politics. And if it's not politics, it's wildfires. Yep. But other than that, things are great. <laughs> 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 and I did, you know, bake sourdough bread. And just oh. slice. So that makes everything better. And I'm sick yeah. and shy. So. <laughs> and I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. Yay. Life can be much worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I am uh, ready at last. Okay. Okay. So. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm we'll wait for Deirdre to finish leaving her message. Oh, they want to talk to Andrew. From Battleground, Iowa. From Battleground, Iowa. So I get texts from every state that I've ever lived in since I was 18, <laughs> thinking oh, that I vote there. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, so and, you get... and every once in a while, I text them back and say, I don't live here anymore. And they'll say, we'll be sure to remove you from our list. But of but course, it's like... Course. Every every election cycle, there's a new organization using that same list that has me on it. So it, my understanding is the way these organizations work is that at, at least in Colorado, they can tell when people have voted and right. they can they stop pestering them. But of course, they can't tell that I've voted in Colorado because I haven't voted you in haven't Colorado. Voted so in they Col just mm -hmm. keep on pestering me. Well, that's good. Kwana, are you done crying? Aww. No. No, Kwana never needs, done. Kawana needs Kawana, you need to sit. I have a fleece on my lap. You need to just sit on my lap and podcast with me. You could be the podcast, Kawana. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Out of the question. <laughs> that was a, that he was won't a even look at me. Down. Oh, no. <laughs> Kawana needs something. Okay. All right. Here we go. We'll see if the music works. All right. Is it working for you? It's working. Yeah, it's working. It's absolutely not working for me. Sounds Why are perfect. you doing this to me? It's there. Options. Oh, the volume's really quiet. Okay, this is strange. Mm. Let's see if that works. I like the little blurp. Koana. <laughs> I heard something. Yeah, was that Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's right here. <laughs> we're doing it. Okay, we're doing it. Hello, and welcome to good-looking people in small, clever rooms that utilize every centimeter of available space with mind-boggling efficiency. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Brianna. Hi. And as always, we're joined by my mom, Norma. Hello. And by our friend, Vinny. Hello. We had a shorter section this week. We're kind of gearing up for a very long end note. So we, we cut off the reading a little earlier than we otherwise would have. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Do people have overall thoughts about this? There's some revelations in here. There are some revelations and some, some more icky parts. And, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, there was I'm quite surprised. a bit, actually. Yeah. I mean, it didn't seem to take that long to read, but I seem to have a lot of notes written down. Well, so, that's oh, good, because I don't have many. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, 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 go for it. Anything. <laughs> Whatever you got. Lay it on me. So we start with Rodney Tyne, mm -hmm. and I've been very unclear about the Office of Unspecified Services, mm -hmm. and there was mm -hmm. an note that explained that it's like a... It's like, the like NSA, a bunch, the, the NSA, ATF, the DEA, the CIA, AA, the ONR, the Secret ONR. Service. Which, did you know what the ONR was? No, nope. I don't know what that is. It's the Office of Naval Research. Oh. oh okay, so they do like, um, they do weather reporting and or weather meteorology stuff, right? Could be. That seems like something they would do. And I don't know, sonar testing? I don't know. Oh, yeah, probably. I don't probably. know what all they do. But yeah, I appreciated hearing that it's, so they took all these big agencies and made one even bigger, unspecified right. agency. Which can't be anything other than just a nightmare of red tape oh, be, around right. every corner. Mm -hmm. right. 
And Rodney Tyne is the head of it. Is that right? Is he yes. the head of unspecified yes. services? Okay. So he's like, you know who he is. I was thinking about this because we were just going, I just went back and edited. I'm still catching up with old episodes. And thanks uh-huh. to Brianna, we're actually posting them now. Uh, nice. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Nice. But uh, I, I just edited one and we just re-listened to one where we're talking about like real world analogies for who these figures are or like who they're satirizing. And we talked some about right. George W. Bush. This uh, Rodney Tyne reminds me of George H.W. Bush, who was the head of the CIA and in charge of a bunch of things like selling drugs to to raise money to give anti-communist insurgents guns in Nicaragua and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So he's talking. I can't remember who he's talking to. Who is he talking to? Is he talking to anyone? Or is it just reporting out? I think it's it's just, just reporting. Yeah, it's like... They're reporting on the entertainment issue. Yes. yes. We, hear, we hear more details about sort of how it's oozing out into the world. Yeah. And it sounds like, so we get more backstory here. It sounds like the first victim that the entertainment claimed was a film scholar in Berkeley. Yes. Uh, or at mm-hmm. least that's the earliest one we now know about. Yes. And that description sounded exactly... Like when I was reading it, I was picturing, was it Monty Python sketch that you, mm, the joke? Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, it, it was like, it was like. All the policemen going exactly, in. Exactly. It was yeah. almost exactly like that clip that we watched mm-hmm. of everybody going in, the police going in and not coming out. And finally they had to uh, cut the power. Which they should have thought of a lot earlier. They should yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I do kind of get it, though, that you're thinking you don't they don't even understand what's happening, though. Right. That's true. Right. They mm-hmm. the people just don't come out. Right. Also, vocabulary word. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I just liked it. Twidgling. Is that a real word? Twidgling? No, I don't think so. Twidgling oh. the brims of their hats. They're twidgling. Oh, yes. Twidgling the brims of their hats. It's yeah. Such mm-hmm. a good word. Um, <laughs> And so it was like, they say it was two summers ago mm-hmm. that the DEA and the Academy of Digital Arts and Sciences brought the issue of the entertainment to the Right. So that would have been about, about three years after James O's death. Am I doing the math right there? I keep forgetting when he died. Has he been dead for five years when this? I thought, I thought he'd been dead for five years, but I might be wrong about that. Could be. You know how you can find out. <laughs> oh, there's a link I could look at. Let me see. Okay. There might just be a link. Let's see what this link says about about the timeline of Infinite Jest. So actually, it hasn't been two years since this came out because they're in the fall. So if it, they say two summers ago, there would have been the summer of YDAU. And then... Oh, yeah, no, so it was five I years ago. It was, it was April 1st of Year of the Trial Size Dove Bar, which was five years before YDAU. Mm. Yep. Thank you, Brianna. You're welcome. Go past Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> but so the, the entertainment, though, has been brought to the attention of the Office of Unspecified Services more like a year and a half or not quite a just a little more than a year ago. Two summers right. ago. Right. Okay. So it has But we do that know long. that, don't we? Because Steepley's been talking I, about it. Yeah. I don't think we knew the specifics of the timeline. It sounds like the president didn't know about the entertainment until after the medical attache's death or or mm-hmm. medica- okay. not death, but like incapacitation. I thought we the can most, count him dead. The more the more shocking one. So there was the incident at Berkeley. Then there was an incident that they don't talk about much in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They just mentioned then, the city, I think. And then there's the one though in Tempe. Yeah, that sounds awful. That sounded yeah. awful. They showed it at a film festival. And two thirds of the attendees uh, succumbed to it before a custodian <laughs> killed the power grid for the building. Right. That sounds Man, terrible. Th- well, first of all, 
how lucky to be in that other third of the attendees. Like that's kind of surprising. It's kind like, of surprising. Were they not that in their didn't... seats yet or what? Where had they gone out know. to get a Pepsi? I don't know. <laughs> uh, or were they asleep or something? Yeah, I mean, it was an avant-garde film festival, so they were so probably they asleep. asleep. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to gauge like, you know, the average avant-garde film screening would have an audience, at least in my experience in the Midwest, would have an audience of maybe 15 people. But a but festival... Berkeley, and uh, Berkeley... Well, this is... This is uh, oh, no, this is Tempe. Arizona this State is University. Yeah, Tempe. Arizona yeah. State, okay. Um, but it's a festival, so right. you'd have to say like... 30? 30 or more, yeah, I would more think, which that, would, mean, would, would mean like, I mean, I would guess, I would guess closer to a hundred, I think, mm -hmm. which would mean like 30 people died or, or no, 60, 60, 60 people sorry, 60 to it. Yeah. Yeah. 60 people. Yeah. It also, that's awful. It, it also, we've wondered if they're dead, you know, it's, right. cause it sounded, but, but that also has been explained how how totally incapacitated they are. These Possessed of roughly the wards. mental spiritual energies of a moth. Yes. Mm -hmm. They say Docile of one of them. Yeah. Continent but blank. Right. As if some deep reptile brain level pithed. Ugh. Yeah. The person's lives' meanings had collapsed to such a narrow focus that nothing else could hold their attention. But it, it's also interesting because it makes clear that there's no way to tell that anything is wrong on a brain scan right that, that it's not right. it's not hypnotizing them and it's not doing right. some something to like neurochemical or something yeah. yeah it's just it's like changing them cognitively in a way that can't be quantified weird uh, spooky we also learned that the president wanted to review it himself. of course he did <laughs> i mean ima imagine if, imagine if this happened when donald trump was right. president he would be right. he would be pestering his handlers day and night to see this thing to see this yeah i want to see and it. one yeah. of them would just recklessly say you know what fine one american <laughs> hero <laughs> would accidentally leave a copy in the oval office Oh my God. Thus resolving so many problems. On page 549, it says the Berkeley cartridge had vanished from a San Francisco Police Department oh, yeah. evidence room. That's the and other thing. I wanted to explore whether we have theories on where that went. Because it sounds like there are three cartridges. Boston, Berkeley, and Tempe. Yeah. I well, so There's I the think the Louisiana one too that is very oh. silent. We don't know right. Yeah, we don't we don't know one. for sure. We also, I'm still dissatisfied with the the book's explanations of like copy protection and whether it's possible to like how can you just take a master and make a bunch of playable yeah, copies of it? Yeah, we don't really know which of fair. these are masters and which of these are like copies of masters right it also leaked the little tiny tidbit of information so the thing disappeared from the san francisco police department's evidence room right but mm -hmm. we also found that they uh had studied the 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 disc itself or whatever you, the tp itself mm -hmm. and found flannel fibers on it that's oh, right yeah that? yeah mm -hmm. canada Canada. Is that what that means? <laughs> I yeah. saw flannel fibers and I was like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. Vinny, you had something to say. Yeah, um, in regards where that went, um, where were the Antitois brothers located? They were in California, right? No, they were in no? Canada and then they crossed they the border to, to live in New England. Oh, right, okay. because that's where Pemulus got the DMZ. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, so oh, I don't right. think they have any connection to California. In fact, yeah. I don't I don't know that anyone has any particular connection to California that we know of. Yeah. Well, other than well, that the film James industry though. is there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, didn't himself grow up or was born in Oh California yeah, they lived in California. Yeah, they lived in Arizona after his after his dad uh lost the job as the man oh, from right. Glad. 
Oh, okay. right. We also get uh, a little detail here. Like this is our first description of anything that happens in the right. entertainment. We get the, the very it opens, from the opens with an engaging and high quality cinematic shot of a veiled woman, Joelle, going through mm-hmm. a large building's revolving doors and catching a glimpse of someone else in the revolving doors. Somebody the sight of whom makes her veil billow. Which is, it's a fascinating shot. I'm, I'm imagining how that would look. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm imagining it it going into like slow motion. Yeah. But who, who is the somebody else? Right. And why would it make her veil billow? Right. Next chapter. Should we keep moving? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before we move on. Yeah. I just want to say that it was nice hearing about the entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I want Finally, more. Little, I I would I be too. I would be so happy if there were just a hard science fiction chapter about like everything about the entertainment. Uh, yeah. I'm positive that that's <laughs> never going to happen because so much of the what's captivating about the entertainment is that we know nothing about it and it would it would kill it to explain it so much. But that's it would what kill I want. Us. It might yes, kill it would. Us yeah, it would. Mm-hmm. It would. There's no reason to think that a description would be any less deadly than the film itself. Right. So now we are with Pemulus so, here. Yuck. And uh, this, this is the night before. Yeah, this is the night of November 9th. And they're called oh, into okay. the office on November 10th. Right. Um, oh, I did not make that connection. Mm-hmm. So job. this is this has got to be the ace up Pemulus's sleeve. Yes. When he goes into that meeting. Blackmail. Except yeah. he was still really ner- He appeared really nervous waiting to go That's into the That's the meeting. thing that I don't understand. Why was he so nervous? He should have I, been all cocky and like, I got no worries here. Yeah. Well, maybe because CT is less predictable when he is emotional. Well, right, and, CT and, and maybe, maybe, maybe CT he doesn't, doesn't know. know about the blackmail situation. Well, no, he probably Apple. doesn't he probably yet. Doesn't. I think it's it's more like... Well, that's the point, right? So right. <clears throat> it's that Pemulus is going to tell CT about this whole situation. Un- unless Avril intervenes. Um, right. But, but maybe right. he... I mean, there are some variables there. Like, he doesn't know how CT will handle an intervention from Avril. He might not right. know how right. receptive Avril is to being blackmailed about this. Like, there's right. there's ways this, this could go bad for him. That's true. We have totally skipped over talking about the darkness and Dr. Rusk. Oh, and yes. And how yes. the darkness definitely has ghosts. The darkness has ghosts. Uh, mm-hmm. He says... If not uh, himself, at least his room. Right. Yeah, yeah. He his mentions room, his bed again. His right? bed, yeah. And 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 he thinks that Doctor Rusk is telling him that he's overestimating objects, which uh, <laughs> runs yeah, counter which... to runs counter to the advice that Lyle gave somebody. I don't know if that was Ortho yeah. or someone else earlier. Do not underestimate objects. Which seems like good right. advice to me. Absolutely, don't underestimate objects. In this context, in this talking about. Dr. Rusk and Ortho Stice, there was another vocabulary word which I didn't know. Mm. Uh, Carthexis. Carthexis. Yeah, Uh, I looked that up and I didn't, I feel like I didn't get a true grasp of it. It's a, it's like, it's Carthexis, C A T H E X I S. C A R T H E X I S. Concentration of mental energy on one particular person, idea, or object, especially to an unhealthy degree. So oh, that goes along okay. With so like a fixation. Over, yeah. I don't know much about Freudian psychology, but I feel like uh, Rusk's understanding of Freudian psychology is a little like warped, eccentric, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like for all it kind of goes back in um, '90s slapstick comedy understanding what a, of what psychiatry is. Right. Yeah. And what Freudian psychology is. Yeah. Right. right. I can see why they don't like to go talk to her. Yeah. I wonder how she gets anybody to come. Like, how does he end I mean, up I, in her I think, office? I think talking? Ortho's only there because he's desperate. Oh, okay. That's pretty much what they say earlier in the book. They only go to her when they're... When they're desperate. Real, mm. real, real desperate. When their advice mm-hmm. from Lyle hasn't helped. Right. They go to Lyle first, right? Probably. Yeah, yeah I, I, almost probably. certainly. 
Or Mario. Or Mario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that came up for me was, so Pemulus is obviously, there. I, I still have questions about Pemulus and Avril because we've learned before that she has an intense dislike for Pemulus. Mm-hmm. Before this. Mm-hmm. So have there been other instances where he's like... I think blackmailed I, her and used I don't know. I don't I, I doubt information it. about I, her. My sense of Avril's attitude toward Pemulus is that it at up to this point has been an irrational dislike. Yeah. Uh that was you know my that, that, that's that's a recurring theme that that certain people have certain people at Enfield have irrational dislikes for other people and it becomes difficult to navigate sometimes. There's like swapping of little buddies and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't know though. There's there's something else. There's some other piece of the puzzle that we're missing here because right, Pemulus because obviously did, obviously know? knows what he's going to find. Right. But yeah, how did he know? How did he know? From John Wayne? That seems unlikely. I, it does seem unlikely. Mm-hmm. So how did so he I don't know this? I don't know. I did, on a lighter note, I did really like the description of how Pemulent, Pemulus was dressed. Oh, that yes. He dressed it's, oh, yeah. Insolent, yes. Uh, but but he, he just looked poorly dressed. Right. <laughs> and Trolch, <laughs> Trolch said he looks like a hangover. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did like that a lot. <laughs> I like that line a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and they described he had the Clark's Wallaby shoes, the, like, you know, suede ankle high ones with the gummy, the gum like. Oh, is uh, that what those are? Yeah, it's like those real, like the gum soles. You know what I mean? And they, there was another word that he used that I really like the the dirty little greebles, the little. You know how <laughs> the those crepe, those kind of crepey gum soles get little dirty round. It's they're kind of like uh art erasers right they kind of get little mm, yeah the those. overall uh choices of attire were pretty frightening mm-hmm. and yeah. why why did he why did he why did he go in disguise why did well he's not in disguise he's i think really he's disguise. he's trying to in he's costume. trying to he's in like in costume i mean he did he, he yeah it seems like he crafted his outfit with some care like he borrows things right. from people right I didn't really understand that. I have a thought. Good. I think it's because he is um, taking the place of a jester. Andrew and I had just talked earlier this week about how jesters in medieval times were the only people who were allowed to speak the absolute truth to the king. Mm. Mm -hmm. So they could, without fear of retribution, call the king a fool. Um, or make jokes about how the king's feet smell like pickles on a daily basis. Um, So I'm wondering if he, he might not be aware of this, but the narration is aware of jesters and their, um, their place in court culture. So Mm -hmm. um, he would be standing in as this symbol. That kind of of makes sense. Truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my theory. Thank you very much. I like it. I like that theory. theory. I accept that theory. Yeah. As good as any and better than most. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get to the icky. The icky Mm -hmm. icky again. And what's with football? Why does football keep coming I mean, it's... I I don't know exactly what's going on here, but I think there's a lot to unpack with regard to Avril's relationship with Oren. Yeah. Well, um, it's interesting that this piece happens right after Rusk talking about Oedipal complexes. Yeah. Right. Right. Isn't this perhaps maybe a manifestation of some sort of Oedipal complex? Like a reverse? Like a reverse Oedipal, Oedipal complex right. or something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced that Avril is like sexually obsessed with Oren. But I do think that she's very sad about losing touch with him. And like yeah. this doesn't this doesn't feel this this whole tableau. Andrew, we yeah. lost you. Oh, you oh, lost me. I can me. still hear him. Yeah, I, I can oh. still hear him fine. Oh. Maybe it was just me. That's okay. weird. Huh. Well, sorry. Huh. Carry do on. you have him now? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Weird. No. Probably your oh, black yes. thing crossed between something. Oh yeah, the cats are anything. emitting radiation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This Inter one was um, snoring up until recently. Aw. <laughs> hmm. I've never heard her snore before. It's really sweet. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay, so go on, sorry. So this tableau doesn't feel like the moment that that Pemulus walks in. I have a hard time believing that Avril is like genuinely enjoying this. You know what I mean? It feels like a really elaborate type of role playing that's probably more motivated by like sadness or desperation or chasing something unattainable. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you think that John Wayne is sort of a stand in for Oren, then is Avril the stand in for Joel? I mean that that I would I think oh, you could read it that point. way yeah. So is it a thing with, that she's trying to work through the Joel thing? Joel has had a I extreme mean, influence on her family. Yeah, I I think that she's trying to work through the her son will no longer speak to her or acknowledge her existence thing. That seems like a more serious problem to me, and and probably the one that I would guess preoccupies her more but I, I mean i think that there's components of both of those things yeah. here yeah i do find it like weirdly kind of i don't want to say sweet but or or like but like i don't know the fact that she made pom-poms out of tennis racket handles and shredded paper that is kind of sweet uh, it's sick <laughs> it's just a really bizarre detail like it's why not really, just buy pom-poms yeah. right it would be sweet if he were in full football garb, maybe. But no, that wouldn't change uh, anything. No. I don't think that would change mm. anything. Oh, you don't? No. <laughs> I think that'd make me it'd feel... Really creepy. It's all creepy, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is creepy. Mm -hmm. I did, there was another line I really admired, though. And think about, you know, in, in one's life, there are times that you, that this is true. There were, it said... There was way less time passing in the office than there seemed to be. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, everyone's frozen. The frozen tableau sort of mm -hmm. certainly experienced times like that. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So how did Pemulus know that this is what he would find? Yeah, I... I I mean, if any, I feel like if anyone at school would know, it would be Pemulus, but I still don't understand the, the mechanics that it. led him there. Maybe he's yeah. seen it before. Maybe he's seen it going on before because it, he's... It might he be has, that he prowls he the school at night. Well, and, and we know he sneaks in because he used to, he like, he plugged stuff into the... Oh, yeah, and he electrified Rusk's... computer or something, or Rusk's or somebody's... Doorknob the, and... Right, and plugged in the Eschaton mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. to somebody's computer. And so he, so yeah. maybe he does. So maybe, yeah, it could be a thing that he around. stumbled across and has known about for a while and is like waiting for the right time to take advantage He's, of the like situation. It's in the bank for him. Yeah. He's banked it until yeah. he needs it. Yeah. Like he knows how to get in to this to the building and everything's dark and shut down and he knows what he's doing. So it doesn't seem like the first time that he's done it. Yeah. Maybe he's been in Avril's office. Maybe. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I want more of a reason for her not liking him or hating him or being really. You know, like m I kind of want that, too, but I'm not I, I'm not sure I believe that there is a reason. Yeah. Ditto. Mm. I'm curious to see how this how this like strategic right. advantage plays out for Pemulus. Right. Exactly. I wanted it to move right on to, to the yeah. to the office scene again and see see what his spiel is. Right. But of course the book doesn't give us that uh satisfaction. I have to leave for one minute and stir my soup back. Okay. Oh. Let's take bets on what what kind of soup it is. Um, I'm going to say it's a white bean chili. What? We're taking bets on what kind of soup it is. Don't tell us yet. Okay. I'm going to say it's a mixed vegetable soup. No, a minestrone. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say minestrone too. But now I'm going to say it's a type of bisque. A type of bisque? Yeah. 
Okay, like a so, tomato bisque. Oh, that. all right, all right. So, what kind of soup is it? You're kind of all. There. <laughs> it is a, I had this. I found this bag of like mixed beans, mixed dried beans in my pantry cupboard that mm-hmm. has like 15 different varieties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the the uh, the take a penny, leave a penny bean jar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it has its res- The recipe on the bag says to use ham hocks, which I wasn't going to do. And so I googled, and and have to say that it's really funny how specific, what specific information you can get from a really vague search. So I googled <laughs> seasoning vegetarian. Uh, 15 bean soup seasoning and what should pop up first on the list was the brand of the the brand of beans that i have and their vegetarian <laughs> vegetarian take on it throw the seasoning packet away so it's got uh onions and a lot of carrots and a lot of celery and it's going to have tomato and it's got all the beans and it's cooking away. So we'll see. Mm, okay. I feel like Brianna mm. wins that, though. I feel like that's the closest to a minestrone. Hmm. Probably. Yeah. Well, Brianna I'll plus kind of Vinny. Well, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't have... Well, I said, I said like a white chili. So I think I'm oh, disqualified. Okay. I feel okay. like the thing that, that uh, defines a bisque is like a cream element. Yeah. So I think oh, we true. have to give the win to Brianna here. Okay. Yeah, Brianna I think so. Yeah. I accept. <laughs> okay with I will be she a really gracious wins winner. Because what I really wanted to make was minestrone, but then I found a bag of beans and I thought, oh, I should use those. <laughs> so. Aha. So she, she, under, she, she uh, predicted my intent or my desire. Mm-hmm. So we wind up back with Lens and Bruce Green walking home after a meeting. Oh, I thought this was hilariously funny. In a yeah. sad sort of way. Yeah. That just the whole setup was so So, so Green or or Lens feels like he needs to tell Green to get lost. Uh, but he wants to do it in a way that's nice and that reassures Green that he likes him. But he can't right. he can't figure out how to do that. And he thinks the answer is to to be on cocaine at the time and that, yes. that will give him like the courage and the like the the sang froid to tell him to to right. go bother someone else. And so he does a few lines of cocaine at the meeting and then on the and way we home. we don't know how many because he refers variously to like two lines, but then somewhere else it's three and then somewhere two, else it's two, like Two, maybe five, three, five, five. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the way home, he realizes the flaw in his plan is that when he's high on cocaine, he desperately needs somebody to listen to all of the borderline incoherent babbling that he's doing i don't think he even realizes his need it just comes out yeah it just yeah. comes yeah. Out like verbal diarrhea yeah and he uses all these there's all these words that aren't words mm-hmm. that he uses annihilated annihilated uh, and insusus insusus stent yeah threnody threnody is actually a lament a yes. So this is funny. I I looked this up. It's yeah, Threnody of Sirens somewhere north of this north of the Charles. I was looking this up because I remember uh, reading a poem at some point called Threnody oh. Um, oh? that I really liked, and I ca- I couldn't remember who wrote it. I thought maybe it was Charles Simic, um, but apparently it wasn't oh, I because him. I do too. And he he I'll, I'll tell you he doesn't have a poem called Threnody, uh, <laughs> but. In the previous sentence, it mentions crepuscular rustles, and so so crepuscular meaning like twilight, like related mm-hmm. to twilight. And Charles Simic does have a lovely poem called Crepuscular that I would like to read to you. Oh, oh, okay, please do. Right. Some obscure power company employee hired to turn on the streetlights in my neighborhood. Almost night now, and he's late, long overdue. Whoever he is has other things on his mind. Wanders the streets, preoccupied, anonymous, late, this late, bumping into all of us, standing in little groups on the corners, dimly outlined against the sky as if by a police artist. Mm. Huh. Mm. Huh. Now, is it crepuscular or corpuscular? Because I thought it was corpuscular. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what? corpuscular is something different. Something with your blood, right? Yeah, it has to do with blood vessels, I believe. Oh. 
crepuscular like uh it's it's also a way of describing the habits of animals uh, right like, yeah like, yeah like cats are crepuscular in that they're mm-hmm. uh most active at twilight mm-hmm. and they're creepy. raccoons and they're creepy yeah yes this section is filled with these weird words and some of them are real and some of them aren't yeah malapropisms yes yeah yeah because his mouth and brain aren't working correctly, right? Right. Is yeah, because he's on cocaine. I thought it was also interesting because I'm not acquainted with uh, the side effects of using cocaine since I haven't used it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also thought, so they listed... Did you just say yet? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. one never knows my life Wait. isn't done yet, is it? <laughs> it may depend my on the outcome stars. of this election. <laughs> Right. right. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. They listed different other people, the side effects that other people have. And they were right. people at Ennett House. And aren't they aren't they the ones that their addiction is to marijuana and not cocaine? Like, well, it seems isn't like that true. Like, well, Gately didn't and they try and Kate Gompert? And aren't they a lot of these? I think their primary Gately? drug was was marijuana. Right. But I, I think I think they had tried cocaine and then decided right. that they didn't want it. They didn't yeah. like the side effects. Maybe I'm a little unclear on the narrative perspective of this endnote because it also mentions that Kate Gompert's reaction to uh, hydrolysis would be uh, instant cerebral hemorrhage, which is oh, clearly right. not a thing that's actually right. happened to her or she'd probably be dead. Um, so it's it's not like they're talking about reactions that they have had. It's more like the narrator knows what would happen to each of these people right now if they did cocaine. If they did it. Mm-hmm. Crosbulation. I really like crosbulation. Crosbulation. Which is, be- I believe, because the nickname for cocaine in this part of the country is Bing. So oh, Bing okay. Crosby. Crosby. Oh, you that get crosbulated. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And then they list Randy Lentz's coke side effects are just. It's an endless list. Mm-hmm. The right eye nystigmus, right? The wobbling back and forth, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vascular constriction. Twitching lips. Right? Diuresis extremis. He has to pee really bad, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pho- then there's another word, phosphonism. I looked oh, that yeah. up. And there's some kind of... I, I thought maybe it was some, like, fake science or something. I found a reference... Just one reference to it in sort of looked maybe pseudoscientific, uh, the art of visualization hmm. in developing memory and intelligence. I don't know. It seemed like a fake hmm. science. But then there's tooth grinding. Tooth grinding. Mm-hmm. Megalomania. Megalomania. Phobophobia. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Fear of mm-hmm. fears, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, euphoric recall, I looked uh-huh. up, tendency uh-huh. for people to recall past experiences in positive light, overlooking the negative. Hmm. Delusions of persecution and homicidal envy. <laughs> yeah, sociosis, yeah. Which I also looked up, and that also seemed vaguely connected to some concept of social disorder in childhood. Hmm. I don't know what that was. Postnasal drip. All kinds of things. Yeah. It mentions later in the narration that the, the, he sounds like he's chewing gum, and it's the, the conflict of him trying to grind his teeth while still oh, wow. talking right. nonstop. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Do not put me down for that. Yeah. Garrulousness so severe it can cause lingual tendinitis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny because he's talking what sounds like a bunch of nonsense like the thing about saltwater crocodiles and right. uh but he gets on this tear of different kinds of cults and mm-hmm. and he doesn't he knows about the cult of the train yeah and he, he yeah. throws it in there as, yes. as, in his list of like the most horrifying cults and it doesn't sound that much more outlandish than the other cults that he's talking about no. And he talks about himself that he that he cut his finger off, right? His fingertip off oh, when right. he was a kid. Yeah. That, and and and, and, that, and he says that it regenerated, which shows yeah. that he has special powers and he's got the uh, how do you say, uh, un- unusual life force and and energie de vive. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. he says he killed he killed a guy with his hands, with, right? With jujitsu or something. Yeah, a kaido oh, or yeah. a kido, a yeah. kido. I thought it was interesting too because it said after after he shares that that he killed that vendor, uh, that he vowed never to use those skills again except to defend the innocent and or the weak, <laughs> which I found right. upsetting because he's hurting animals. So I. Right. I I right. think that's a bunch of that's yeah. All yeah. I mean, this is all absolute garbage. I assume that you know any any Good. time he says anything true here is an accident. And then yeah, the recurve he has a recurving dream. Yeah, <laughs> have a recurving dream. Uh, the Halloween party with the infant with no skull. Oh right, right. That was creepy. Because isn't it Marat's wife has no skull? Marat's wife was born without a skull. Yeah. Cabillero? Cabillero. Right. Cabliero, excuse me. Cabliero, yeah. Cabliero. Yeah. Yeah. Assumably Caballero, right? Right. Right. And he talks about the, ooh, it was really creepy too, the, the packs of of feral animals in the great concavity mm-hmm. take over houses yes. and keeping them in Oh yeah, the giant repair. insects, not only taking over the, the abandoned the homes of relocated the... Americans, but actually setting up house and keeping them in model repair yes. and impressive equity. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I think that's cute. Yeah. I like I'm imagining that. a like a family of mantises sitting on the couch uh-huh. and watching TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He also talks about the rumors of the entertainment as a porn video. Kind of. Yeah, I yeah, I think that this is this sounded familiar, but also not quite the same thing. Um, but it's it's the same idea, right? That there's this cult that believes right. that there there's uh some VR porn video that is the right. the perfect piece of porn, and the, right. <laughs> the goal, right. the stated goal of their cult is to find it. The other thing that I I started wondering about was he. So he talked about the infant, the infant with no skull, but they keep, they keep, he refers to the infant. Right. A lot. As if the there were infant, only one. The infant, the infant. Like There's Jesus also in, in reference, kind of in like reference Jesus. to the, yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of like yeah. the, yeah. In, in reference to the Halloween party where the infant was, uh, he also mentions a hydrocephalic woman wearing a necklace made of dead gulls yes oh yeah ah uh, yes which yes. i i don't know what to make of except I that brianna think... pointed out that it is maybe a little reminiscent of the rhyme of the ancient mariner mm-hmm. uh and the the image of wearing an albatross around one's neck and how that would be an excellent halloween costume yes mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhat grotesque but I yeah. guess that's the point, right? I mean, right. that's Halloween. It's this Halloween. is so. This is a thing I looked up when I was talking to uh, my writing class one year about um, about metaphor. I wanted to, in my lecture, talk about how there are so many metaphors just as figures of speech in everyday language that we don't really think about. And wearing an albatross around your neck is one of those. Uh, the thing that I didn't realize about the rhyme of the ancient mariner and the sailor who so the sailor kills the albatross and is forced to wear it around his neck because it's bad luck to kill an albatross oh. um but albatrosses are enormous birds they're huge mm-hmm. and and so if you wore one around your neck it would like drag on the ground it would be it would be impossible to do anything while wearing an albatross around your neck yeah we know this cuz we we watched the movie the rescuers 5000 times oh that's right <laughs> yes <laughs> Still holds up. <laughs> Good. It does. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both of them yeah. still hold up. All right. Yeah, but the rescuers down under is better. Oh yes. Yeah. George I C. Scott, those 5, great villain. Times. Five thousand times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because someone really liked. Them. <laughs> I was obsessed. Yeah, I was, I, I'm sure I was you knew too. every line. When you were what? <laughs> Three. Something like that, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Cute. <laughs> just a little tidbit side mm-hmm. tidbit of information mm-hmm. this is what happens sometimes, when you find your mother in your podcast <laughs> sometimes i think about baby andrew and how adorable he probably was oh he was too cute <laughs> he was the cutest cutest guy he was cute watching the rescuers too Aww. some people used to complain 
about that was that really okay that he kept watching it over and over and I said well it's just like reading a it's just like reading your favorite book 500 times when you're little how is it different <laughs> there's uh let's see a couple other things I wanted to mention I highlighted the word step husband because I just really like that step husband <laughs> he's talking about his mother and oh, and right. and his his stepfather who was a re retired Amtrak Right. Uh, ticket collector mm -hmm. or something, or engineer issues. or something, and yeah, I don't know how much of this to believe that like the the reason he's afraid of clocks and obsessed with time is because of this thing with the pocket watch, but but also he says that his mother made a point of uh, taking long trips on the Greyhound basically right. to piss her stepfather off. Her stepfather. <laughs> her stepfather. That's funny. Here we have another addict though who was who was abused as a kid. Yeah. Mm. Well, who either was abused or, or has made up a story a, for yeah. for sympathy, which I yeah. could also see Lens doing. I suppose. Yeah. We also have a uh, interlude, brief interlude with Hal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lying in bed, sort of thing. Lying in bed. Oh my god! And what happened? Did Pemulus tell him? I. I don't, mm. I don't know. He seems, he seems kind of okay, though. He seems I, very placid. Yeah, I, past Brianna, when I read this originally, I bracketed the entire section. I put a heart on it, and I said, Hal is by far my favorite person. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I needed everybody to know so and so what what about this passage specifically made you feel like that? That is a great question. Um I loved that he said that he was photosynthesizing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I did like that. I just I love him because he just seems so self-aware and comfortable with himself that he can say things like, the beast has killed and gorged and now lies in the shade of the baobab tree. Right. Um, and maybe that's a quote of something. I should have looked it up, but I didn't. I, I just love him. He's just great. And <laughs> I loved the image of John Wayne just poking his head into the door and yeah. um, not saying anything and then leaving. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like that too. Honestly, the whole vignette was just really charming. Mm -hmm. It is charming, but I, I also feel like he might be brooding. It's possible. Brooding I something. think you could read it that Hamlet. way for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. Explain your Hamlet reference. Well, that's what Hamlet does for the whole play. He just broods oh, and broods. Brooding. Brooding. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, he's, he's specifically, he's brooding about somebody having a relationship with his mother. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, if that's what's going on here, that's very Hamlet. I kind of think that Pemulus told him because... Because he would Pemulus need to... Pemulus is his friend. Pemulus really is Hal's friend. Okay, but... And, and Pemulus... I think even Pemulus, who has, you know, he has a different outlook on life, but I think he would believe that it would be the wrong thing to do to spring that information on Hal in the office uh, without for yes. warning. Yeah. I, I feel I like could see he that. would I tell see him that. something. I, I, I don't think that he would tell Hal unless he felt like Hal would find out anyway. Hmm. You but know, how, like, like if, if we well, believe, if we believe, which I do, that Pemulus has known about this for a while, that means he there was a while where he didn't tell how. Right, right. The only reason he would tell he know he would know that it would be really painful for Hal to hear, but he wouldn't want him to hear it first in CT's office if right. Avril doesn't step up and intervene and right. if Pemulus has to reveal stuff. And also mm -hmm. that would be one more uncontrolled variable, not knowing how right. Hal would react. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when I read it, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I, I feel through the whole book, I feel this motherly worry about Hal all the time. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I care about I he's so likable. He is. And he says the funniest things. And uh, but I worry about him because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to ask for help. Right. It's true. Yeah, he doesn't. Not even to get his tennis that, ball. I mean, that, that that may be his that might be his tragic flaw. If we're talking about like classical structures of drama, it could be that him not knowing how to ask for help is the is the source of all his problems uh-huh uh jumping back to lens for an instant as uh-huh. as this narration does i just wanted to mention that he talks about uh it, i don't really have a lot to say about this but it, it reminded me of something so he mentions teams of pro researchers and amateur explorers and intrepid hearts hearts and cultists venturing northeast of checkpoints along the lucided ask mutilated walls and never returning Vanishing right. in Toto from the shortwave Looking EM band. for the infant, right? As in, is like, the... dropping off the radar. Well, he says the one cult is, but maybe, you know, maybe other people Others have other are... reasons for going yeah. out there. Right. It reminded me a lot of um, the Chernobyl exclusion zone. Um, uh... And the way that, you know, like now you can, you can, as a tourist, you can take tours of the exclusion zone. Um, but there, you know, for, for a while... People went in for various reasons and and did kind of unknowable things in there. And that led me to thinking about the Tarkovsky film Stalker, mm-hmm. um, which Vinny, you've seen, right? I have. Yeah. In fact, I just got it for myself for my birthday. Oh, excellent. Oh. I, yeah. I, I, I read that paragraph and I was like, man, I got to watch Stalker again because it's about mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. Like it's unclear specifically where they are, but I always assumed it was kind of inspired by Chernobyl. I'm not sure if those timelines match up, but, oh. um, but that there are these like people who hire, hire a guide to take them into this exclusion zone that the Soviet army has set up and kicked everyone out of. And they're there <laughs> to try and, it, it all becomes a little abstract, but I think it seems like they're all there to try and fulfill a wish of some type. Right, yeah. Basically, yeah. like, the idea is that you can go into this room and you'll be able to grant a wish. Yeah. The concavity is a creepy place. It is. Yeah. It seems like nobody knows. It. You know, that's that's one of the things that I'm fascinated about with this is that it seems like not even Onan has any idea what's going on in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or right. if they do, they're not telling anyone. I would love to see a, the book end with a giant uprising of mutant animals and mutant feral insects hamsters and, mutant, and, and feral feral creatures and and mutant infants all rise up and take over the just like whole swallow the continent onion. whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would yeah. be a, an appropriate ending. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. Anything else to talk about here in this section with Lens and Green? I thought it was funny. So we assume that he tells him everything, too, about his murderous work with animals. Do we assume that? Does he? He He's going to tell him. Doesn't it say that he tells him everything? It doesn't. It doesn't list that specifically. I feel like I feel like if. If he were going to tell if he told Bruce Green those things, it would be. Uh, it would be there in the narration. I don't, I, they don't have to tell us that because we already know that he, we already know. That yeah, but Bruce, that but Bruce Green doesn't know. No, but we know. <laughs> right. That's, at, that's what start, I mean, though. That's what I mean. Where does he start into this? Let's see. While we're looking for that, um, is Lens yours truly? I wondered about that briefly, but I don't think that makes sense. Okay. Um, I think that he's just, I, I feel like yours truly is, is kind of a Bostonism. I don't know if it is in real life or if it is just in the book, but. Oh, okay. He has this compulsion to have green right there by his side or basically anyone who can't get away or won't go away right there with him and to share with green or any compliant ear, pretty much every experience and thought he's ever had. To give each day right. of the case of violent right. shape and visible breath as his whole life and then some. Right. I'm saying, lines, though. Arctic horizon trailing phosphorescence. So, so, so I, are, are, are we then to believe that sometime, sometime that we as readers have looked away from this scene, we're to believe then that Lens says to Bruce Green, by the way, I like torturing and killing animals, and that's what I would be doing right now if you weren't here. And Bruce Green, who is this like even keel guy, it would say like, 
Yeah, sure. Um, that's fine. I have keel. no opinions about that. He was an even keel when when Lentz told him that he punched that guy in the face and killed him. It didn't mm-hmm. really seem to bother. Right, right. I don't think I, anything would bother Bruce Green. I think that's entirely possible. He seems think, he seems you know, pretty. He's enjoying he's enjoying having this f- so called friend. I don't think anything would drive him away. I don't think anything would make him complain to Lentz about you can't do that man or to tell somebody I just can't I it's just like he's this blank <laughs> he's just ears it's the sound is just going in well then what's yeah. the problem though like what if that's the case then if if Lentz were to tell Bruce Green and Bruce Green were to be like that's fine whatever right. then what then then what's the what's the conflict of the scene or, or like the, it, just the fact that Lentz doesn't want him to know this stuff, and yet, uh, in a very sort of slapstick way, he's instead of not telling him the things that he doesn't want to tell him, he's actually telling him everything. You know, maybe I think it's I, I think it's know. a huge assumption to make that Lens would say if, if we're to believe that it's implied that Lens said that, even though there's no indication of it happening in the text. Yeah, I think yeah, that if I... in this walk lens told green about how he tortures and kills animals that's what we'd be reading about in the book yeah, yeah i would just agree going back over it and and we do get a break i i don't think it's the whole thing oh no absolutely I mean, they're walking not for how long how long does it take yeah. to walk back and i'm we, saying but but no i think a, the, the reason i the we reason I said to look at Hal in the middle of this. So who knows what was being said the, while we're away. The reason away that I'm saying Hal. that I think that's what we'd be reading about <laughs> is because that's what the most important part of the conversation would be. That would that would be a turning yes. point in their relationship and it would be relevant to their character development. And if we don't get that, I don't think we can assume that it happened. Yeah, I would Agreed. agree. Except yeah, isn't I, it worse for him to say that he killed a guy by hitting him in the face than it is even to say that he tortures tortures animals? Well, no, yeah. because first of all, I'm pretty sure he's lying about that. And I, I think mm-hmm. that Green probably can tell that he's lying about that. But also, like, I don't know, regardless of what's worse or not, like, I don't know. It's just, it's an enormous, I'm not, I'm not prepared to make that. We could assume that all kinds of things are happening when we're not looking, but unless we can find evidence for them, like what, what's the point of those assumptions? Because it says he's going to tell him everything. I guess that's why I thought that, that this is just, these are just bits and pieces is what I thought. Because he's telling him everything. Yes, but, but. And he's got no breaks. So, yes. So he can't. (laughs) stop himself from telling him telling bruce green that he's torturing animals he well he can't but he also can't stop himself it. from telling all kinds of lies <laughs> either stuff too. and right. so in yeah. that little break he's probably telling more lies more stories yeah yeah it's like self-aggrandizing stuff I like that's what i yeah. think that it doesn't matter if he tells bruce about the animals he was so worked up about not wanting bruce to know what he's doing to animals that's what started this whole verbal diarrhea thing was that he didn't mm-hmm. want Bruce Green to know this. But now he's at a point where he doesn't care what Bruce Green knows. He would tell him anything, lies and reality. And it's like the the torturing animals is no big deal at this point because it's just one more of the pieces of Lentz, this really messed up guy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't like him. Oh no! I despise no. him. He's yeah. awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I, I. That's probably why I saw the dialogue that we read. The stuff that he was saying to to Bruce is just the tip of the iceberg, and he probably went on and 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 on. And what do you say to somebody that's talking to you like that? What would you say? If you were walking home with them and they set off on this. I would probably react pretty much exactly the way that Bruce Green does. Right. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. Oh, right. Oh, oh, oh that's oh. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't remember really my dreams. You might want to get away from him, but like, how do you do that? <laughs> right. He's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, right. this guy is insane. And mm-hmm. I hope he doesn't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna, just gonna, just humor him. Right. He's out of his mind. 
so then we get to this uh this section that's like snatches of dialogue between don gately and other people at ennett house yeah um yeah um depending on where the section breaks are they're like one person at a time right yeah Mm -hmm. right which i had not expected i just thought that it was going to be like that one section that was just everybody talking like each line was a different yeah oh yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but this is more like little little vignettes kind of there's a little back and forth between gately and other people it's kind of it's it's fun to read Mm -hmm. i think it's fun because ennett house seems like such a it comes across as being a place that wouldn't be very effective and yet there are things that really work at ennett house yeah like like you know, the the somebody has to be in the staff room at night, right, or the desk, because mm-hmm. people are going to wander in during the night and they're gonna they're gonna want to talk to somebody, and so right. somebody has to be there. Right, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. actually do that. <laughs> Some of them rather <laughs> unlikely people, even that, like Joelle. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think she would come in and talk. No, yeah, yeah, that that kind of surprised me. Yeah. Although it does seem like she's kind of developing this friendship with Don. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if not friendship, then at least like camaraderie or something. Yeah, something. She talks about more daddy stuff. Right. Daddy. Is your daddy, what, you have a, you, your personal daddy still alive? Or Right. Mm-hmm. Her, her mother's a worm farmer from way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that even mean? I think I, it means she's dead. Yeah, she's died. been dead a long time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I had to think about that for a long time too. <laughs> I thought it meant like, you know, raising yeah. worms. Because why not? Right, Somebody yeah. has to mm-hmm. do it. Then we learn more about more bad, creepy stuff about Randy Lentz from oh, yeah. whoever yeah. it is that's ratting him out. I can't yeah. think of who it was. But is that Yolanda? No, it's somebody no. talking no. about. Yolanda's next. The one who is saying that oh, he's a cheese oh, okay. nibbler. So that oh, yeah. was separate. It was yeah. Yolanda that talked. The other guy was just talking about about the older old residents that that torment the new ones with all. Oh kinds right, of- right. Yes, yeah. Can what yeah. is it? Asking them to think if their higher power is omnipotent enough to make a suitcase that's too heavy for him to lift. They're yeah. doing it to oh. everybody that's new. Right. And that is a real thing that my one of my philosophy classes in college taught by uh, Dr. President Alex um, (laughs) although he phrased it as can God create a burrito so spicy that he can't eat it Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a problem that it's an omnipotence problem Um, it's a paradox that's a family of paradoxes that arise with understandings of the term omnipotent um this i'm reading from wikipedia you're welcome Mm -hmm. oh thank you Uh, the most well-known version of the omnipotence paradox is the so-called paradox of the stone or the spicy burrito could god (laughs) create a stone or spicy burrito so heavy or spicy that even he could not lift slash eat it This phrasing of the omnipotence paradox is vulnerable to objections based on the physical nature of gravity, such as how the weight of an object depends on what the local gravitational field is. (laughs) Alternative statements of the paradox that don't involve such difficulties include, if given the axioms of Euclidean geometry, can an omnipotent (laughs) being create a triangle whose angles do not add up to 180 degrees? Or can God create a prison so secure that he cannot escape from it? Anyway, the point being, if God can create a burrito so spicy that he can't eat it, then he is not all-powerful. Right. Hmm. But if he can create a burrito so spicy that he can't eat it, then he's also not. Right. He is also not all-powerful because he can't eat the burrito. Um, Therein lies the paradox. Yeah. I particularly like the spicy burrito problem because I'm now imagining all the things that God can eat. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is presumably everything. Pretty much everything. He, God yeah. could eat a whale. 
God can yep. eat Texas. I mm-hmm. wish he would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big tummy on God. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So the Yolanda thing was icky yeah. again. So yeah. yeah. Just more that. reasons to hate Lens. Yeah. And then the plumbing issues. Yes. The, the H oh, yeah. On, the H, uh, the on the a- faucet H really the stands means- for... Holy, Holy cow, cow, that's cold. cold. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that the person who's ta- talking to him about this is like, you know, there should, what does he say? That there should be a sign or they should tell new people or something about mm-hmm. this. And that, I mean, that's it. That's the end of our reading. Because yep. coming up, we have this long end note between, it's the Q&A with uh, Oren's answers to Helen Steepley's questions. Oh, Oh boy, we've been waiting a while for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Will we learn a lot of new stuff? I'm I'm expecting to learn a lot of new stuff from that. Gee, I don't know. Yeah. Don't we always? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Does anyone have anything they'd like to announce or plug? I, so, so just to be clear, um, we're we're working through a backlog of episodes. We've been publishing two a week, so Monday oh, and Friday to kind of catch oh, up. Oh wow! Um, that's by the, that's by because Brianna's awesome. You're welcome. And it's, and it's because Andrew put off editing podcasts for a really long time, but we're working on it. By the time this episode comes out, we should be back to our one a week uh, schedule. Um, okay. But that'll probably be in like two weeks that this will come and out. And you, you get a pass on this because you have moved and spent a lot of time driving back and forth across the yeah. country and mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. Gotten new jobs and lots yeah, of stuff. Lots of stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, other Big other things. plugs? Um, if you are interested in finding out more about me and my painting, check me out on Instagram at CardboardVV. My website is agingrich.com, where you can watch an excerpt and read about Ghost to Ghost, an experimental documentary I made with my grandma about a mysterious recording of her mother's voice found packed away on a reel-to-reel tape in her closet. I'm also on Instagram at Coffee Stop Fix. Next time, we'll be talking about pages 565 to 575. Our music is by Jonathan Rigby. You can listen to his podcast, The Land of Random, on Spotify. Thanks David for listening. Nichols? I'll tell you something. I, I I went back and forth on this because the name embedded in the MP3 files as the author is David Nichols. But after doing more <gasps> research, I think that oh. the actual composer of the music is Jonathan Rigby. So I apologize oh, for, for any earlier inaccuracies. Oh, no. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. And can I say, by the way, nice shirt. My dad used to bowl too when he still had a thumb. Folks, I have bad news. This is a, a, a late addition to the podcast. I did some research. Lens is saying the thing about how it's a myth the Nile crocodile is the most dreaded species of crocodile, that the dreaded estuarial crocodile of saltwater habits is a billion times more dreaded by those in the know. I'm not sure about that exactly, but Wikipedia does say that saltwater crocodiles are just as aggressive to humans as Nile crocodiles, if not more. Oh, so Lens wow. is right about something else. Oh no. <laughs> so-